Welcome to season five of the Shock Your Potential podcast. I am your host, best-selling author and international speaker, Michael Sherlock. The Shock Your Potential podcast is dedicated to entrepreneurs looking to up their game, increase their income, and to scale their businesses to new heights. Shock Your Potential is a professional services company providing affordable services to small businesses, matching entrepreneurs with virtual assistants, and offering specialized leadership and sales training to companies around the world. Learn more today at shockyourpotential.com and listen in now to another exceptional episode that will help you to shock your potential. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Yes, it is a brand new year. And yes, we have an incredible focus all month long in January. We are talking to fierce and fabulous female entrepreneurs. Now, men, you know that you can learn a lot from these uh, these dis- different sessions as well. So don't be turning off that dial just because we're focusing on the glorious women that are making differences in this world. And my guest today is Lee Carraher. Now, she is the CEO of Double Forte. It's a national independent PR and communications agency. And you know what? She's got a few things under her belt that are really going to impress you, but also give us lots to talk about. She's an acclaimed communications strategist, and she's known for her practical solutions to big problems. And you guys know we talk a lot about big problems here all the time. But she's on a mission to help small businesses break through the noise, as we talk about, sometimes it's hard to stand out in that world, and make a big impact. Now, she has a reputation for building cohesive, high-producing teams who have, get this, fun together at the same time. Oh my gosh, you mean work hard and play hard together and like each other? She's also authored two top-selling books about something you know I talk about a lot, positive and profitable work culture. Now, this is going to make for great conversation. She is known as a straight talker. She doesn't hold back too many punches, but she does try and make sure she's pleasant when she has to deliver some of those punches. Her big laugh and sense of humor have gotten her, she says, out of a lot of trouble, but I'm wondering if every once in a while it gets her into trouble. And joining me today is Lee. Thank you for being with us. Oh my gosh. I sound so fabulous like that, but thank you for... (laughs) Michael, thank you so much for having me. I'm so much looking forward to this conversation. Well, you are fabulous. It's fierce and fabulous female entrepreneur month. I'm so excited. (laughs) I love people's bios because, you know, the time it takes, in fact, it's probably time for me to update mine, but I always say, you know, don't be fooled by the, uh, the name or the colorful hair or the crazy shoes, but I'm serious about business. And that usually kind of sets the stage. And and I think the words we choose, yes, the words we choose to describe ourselves are important. And I love to give them as much oomph as I possibly can when I introduce. (laughs) Awesome. You know, I spend a lot of time helping people do their bios. So they're actually interesting. Because mm-hmm. uh, so many buyers are like, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't help you at all. And then when I hear mine come back at me, I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty good. Wow. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, and you do have an incre- impressive background. I hit just some of the highlights in your fabulous bio. But tell us a little bit more about you and your business and how you help your clients to shock their potential. Sure. So um, I'm Lee. I'm the president and founder of Double Forte. And Double Forte is a national independent public relations strategic strategic communications company. 
And really how we help our businesses, our clients, is that we help them achieve their business goals through communication. So everything we do ties back to a business goal, which is often a shocker for our clients when we say, well, we just want some PR or we just want some social or I mean, make something happen. And we say, well, what's the goal? And they say, what do you mean? I'm like, well, what's the business goal? How is that going to help your business? How is this big party with lots of glitz and glamour, which I'm all for? How is that going to help your business? And when they look at us like, I I just want one. And we just make them tell us why. Uh, (laughs) That is a shock to many people when we talk to people because it's not necessarily their impression of what a public relations firm or a communications firm does. But in the end, um, we amplify the crap out of good stories for our clients all day long and we help them achieve their business goals through all of our tactics that we do all the time. And you know what, when you were talking, I was thinking about, you're right. Sometimes people just, they, they just want it, just make it happen. In fact, last year in March, our, our series last March in 2021 was called the magic of marketing. So as I was introducing, I was like, and don't we all wish there was some magical pixie dust that we could just spread on our marketing and then poof, we'd have magical results. Yeah. It takes no work at all. No. And then, but the reality is we have to be thoughtful about it. We have to align it to goals. We actually have to do something. Yeah. There's work involved. We don't have to. Yeah, that's but true. if we don't, you know, I'm just saying, we don't have to do that. But if you don't, you'll be upset at the end. Like, that was a great party. What happened? You know? Yeah. 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 Or nice ad. Why? Yeah. You know, too often, truly too often, the biggest mistake companies can make is not make sure that they understand that marketing is not magic and marketing yeah. is a discipline and marketing can be fun and marketing has to work and has a return. Right. So it's usually a cost center for a reason because they're profit on the other side of it. Right. So, you know, just make it happen. (laughs) I should, that's my next book. Just make it happen. I think that would be a great title. You know, but you're absolutely right. I was thinking about how many insurance commercials where I love them. I love this, you know, I love love the funny. Yes, I love flow, but would that make me actually buy that insurance, which I am not sure I actually know. Is it progressive? <laughs> I don't even know. Well, that's the thing, right? So Geico is the gecko and flow is progressive and there are lots of other ones in there too. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a big business when they're spending that much money on television advertising. <laughs> yes. When you have a flight of ads, like 19 different ads at the same time in the same flight, you know, it's a billion dollar business. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So it must work in some level, but how do you, I mean, that yeah. that's that's the thing. Like you said, a great party, you know, to thank all their, your customers is a wonderful thing, but does that turn into more business or is that goodwill that you can measure or, you know, really- I- Really aligning everything back to what are everything you trying to accomplish? To yeah. And don't, you know, I mean, there's never, I've worked for in and for billion dollar companies um, where there's, you know, spending tons, you know, millions and millions of dollars. And we've had millions and millions of dollars of budget and there's never enough budget. You're nope. never happy with your budget, no matter how big it is. So, <laughs> um, and it's the first thing that gets scrutinized. The first thing that gets to scrutinize when something doesn't go right, it's never PR's. Never PR's um, fault that something went well, right? But it's always <laughs> PR's fault if it fell flat, right? Oh, always. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I we work really hard at that. It doesn't mean it's boring. I think that's what 
you know, sometimes we don't win and I kind of, or we take ourselves out because it's like, they want a lot of splits and glamour. And I just, I mean, I've been, I've been there. I spent money on that and they don't have anything to back it up. And mm-hmm. I'm just unwilling. I'm not willing to obfuscate. I'm not willing to like do the yep. smoke and mirrors. Many PR firms are the best ones will not. Um, yeah. Cause I know how it ends. I know how it ends. Yeah, And I don't want to build a business on that. I want to build a business on actually helping people achieve their goals. Yeah, I totally get it. I, you know, for most of my career, whether it's been because of my position or because of my my own company, I have taught sales and I've improved companies' um, abilities to produce different revenue streams and, you know, different profit centers. And there have been a couple of times where I've either turned down working with a client or fired a client because- they simply didn't want to follow through on the actual steps to make it happen. Yeah. And I remember the last one that I, you know, that I quote unquote fired. And I said, you know, here's the thing. Number one, I've become your most uh, expensive therapist because you want to still tell me what you want, but you're not going to do anything about it. I said, number two, you're ruining my reputation <laughs> because I am well, known as the it, person. Right? Who, yeah. I'm, I'm known as the person who comes in and within six months can increase, you know, substantially in some cases, you know, half a million or more dollars in six months, depending on the business that I was working with, and you don't want to do it, that ruins my reputation. I'm not, I'm not putting my name on the line for that. Oh, true. Just do what I say, and it'll all be good. Exactly. Don't it around. Just do what I say. I love I've had it. many of those conversations. Like, oh, it's not working. I'm like, yeah, you haven't done these 19 things you said you were going to do. You know, it's a yeah. two-way street. There's no way, you know, particularly for an agency or a service agency, a service company on the outside, right? You can't do it without your client doing some stuff, right? Yeah. Period. Yeah. And you can you can work with agencies who will lift so many boulders for you and just take so much weight off your shoulder. But in the end, there is something that you need to do. And if you are yeah. unwilling to do it, no one can be successful. Absolutely. And well, don't I, just, work with those, I agree with you. Do not work with those people. They'll, they'll take you down. They'll suck your blood out and they'll take you down. Exactly. You have nothing left. You're like, I'm on life you're support. Like, you're like flat on the ground, like, you know, flat Stanley, like oh, I have no blood. Uh, I love my husband. I, I made a reference to flat Stanley about a, two months ago. And he's like, what is that? I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I don't even know how to explain it to you, but I totally get it. Well, one thing before I wanted to ask you before we take a quick break is I also know that you, you do work with companies to help them really talk about the messages that create more cohesive teams. Absolutely. So talk a little bit about that because I totally understand it, but I think it's a great thing that we should all be talking about is why it's so important for a team to not only be cohesive and have fun together, but also understand that they got to speak the same language. And I think the, um, I think communication is the heart of all things, right? It's the heart of leadership. It's the heart of relationship. It's the heart of marketing. It's the heart of everything. So what you say matters and that, and teams say things and they mean things in the same language so that the, when I say the word blue, you know, I mean this color blue, mm-hmm. not this color blue, right? Mm-hmm. So the thing about culture is that it's a commonality. It's a common story. Right. It's a common story among us. And that uh, and it's all, that's one thing. And the other thing about culture is behaviors, what behaviors you allow in your team. And if you don't articulate them, 
you're going to be disappointed, right? You're yeah. never, let's say you're someone to be disappointed. So communications is the heart. If we imagine that all the, all of our world is relationships, the people we work with um, every day are the ones we must spend most our time in relationship with. Mm-hmm. That's where you need to actually overemphasize the communication. <laughs> repeat yourself, repeat yourself, repeat yourself until someone else can finish your sentence. And that's when you know you have a team that can actually glide through change, right? Yeah. If you are describing this is not the color blue, like at the 11th hour after, you know, yeah. then you know you haven't done your job. And your yeah. job, the job of communication is not just the leaders. The job of communication is everybody. Um, yep. And so I've worked a lot with, in my book, my two books are really about that. How do you create a culture of, of transparency that is built on relationship, which therefore has communication at the heart? And mm-hmm. what you communicate, when you communicate, how you communicate defines your culture uh, and the behaviors that you allow, which is culture. Absolutely. Without a doubt. And and you're right. You get down to the end and you're like, wait, that is not the color blue I had in mind. Then you have to look at yourself in the mirror, wherever you're a leader or, you know, or right, part of right. the, the okay. What's crew. the part? Yeah. And Don't say do anything, right? And I think exactly. that's the piece that we, even if we've worked together forever and ever, we all make assumptions. And that's when, that's the, when you, assume, when you catch yourself saying, well, they should know. That's when you know, you need to talk again. Yeah. Oh, they don't need to say that. Don't, uh, I'm sure they know. I'm sure they know is trigger warning for us. Say it now. Say it now. You know, <laughs> because you really can't say it's impossible to over communicate. It shouldn't be a word. Over communicate should not show up when you Google it. It does, but you cannot over communicate. It is impossible. So, um, and you can't just do it one way either. It's all the things, right? And everything yep. you do speaks for you. So, you know, the fact that I'm carrying around the wrong blue pen at the 11th hour just says I don't respect anything. I didn't pay attention. I could care less. That's what I'm saying to people around me. It's a dumb example, but you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get it. (laughs) Everything speaks for you. So you need to make sure you're all speaking the same language, because um, if you don't, it all falls apart. And we don't have time to fall apart. No one wants to be part of a team that doesn't work, you know? Right. No one really does. Even, no, there's no one who doesn't want to be a part of a team that doesn't work. There are people who don't want to be part of a team. That's different. (laughs) That's a a horse of a different blue color. That's a whole different Galloax, but you know what I mean? (laughs) I do. I love it. Well, Lee, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsor and we will be right back. Are you a highly sensitive individual? If you are, you are part of the 20% of people whose nervous system is wired to take in more stimulation than others. This can feel overwhelming, trying to get by through coping and stuck in your shadows instead of your strengths. But it doesn't need to be that way. You can learn to be in charge of yourself physically, spiritually, and financially in a way that honors your highly sensitive self. Heather Dominic is the founder of businessmiracles.com, and she's been training highly sensitive entrepreneurs and leaders since 2010 to do things differently by working less and making more of a social impact and a higher income. Whether you've been in business for years or are just starting out, highly sensitive entrepreneurs are sick of trying to, usually secretly, manage overwhelm and other ways your highly sensitive nervous system tends to hijack and work against you. 
Now you're ready to learn how to be comfortable in your highly sensitive skin, to create your work and life to match who you truly are, so you can work less while making more impact and income. I should know, as a super uber highly sensitive entrepreneur myself, working with Heather and her team has changed my life and my businesses. To learn more, please use our affiliate link in the show notes or reach out to the Business Miracles team and tell them you heard about them from the Shock Your Potential podcast. Every listener who joins the Business Miracles program in 2022 will receive a selection of five best-selling books from our Shock Your Potential bookstore authors. Leading as a highly sensitive entrepreneur is a mindset to hold and an energy to embody. To lead means to show someone the way to be in charge of. As a highly sensitive entrepreneur, this starts with learning how to be in charge of yourself first and your purpose second. And we are back with Lee Carraher, and we are talking about all things uh, business and communication and PR. But now we're going to dive a little deeper into your own entrepreneurial journey. So tell us a little bit about, you know, what have you learned about yourself through your your journey? Like, have you learned about a, you know, a superpower that you have or a secret sauce that's all yours? You know, what kind of what kind of things has this kind of business choice? Um, impacted you? Well, I think I need to tell you why I started my company in the first place so you can understand my answer. So it was not my intention to start my own company. That I was on a different path. Um, and um, two things happened. One is I have my younger son um, has developmental disorders and we were figuring that out when he was an infant, which was now 20 years ago. I can't even believe that. Wow. Um, and we knew we were going to have to be more involved and my husband and then we, my husband and I decided that he would work half time if at all. And he would be the case manager, frankly, because I made more money. Basically that's what he said. Yep. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we're going to live in San Francisco. Probably that has to be the way, but also <laughs> he is better at it than I am. So we chose that. We're on this path. And then, um, I had been in an agency and I, after 9-11, I left that agency. That's a whole nother podcast. And mm. I was going to take a whole year off. That was my goal. And I was spending lots and lots of time with this baby. I had an older son. He was, you know, he came out of the womb speaking Moby Dick, but the <laughs> younger son didn't speak to his eight. So that just gives oh. you a sense of how different they are. Yeah. Anyway, um, one, I drove my husband crazy, truly. <laughs> And I, when I reflect on it, there's still, we call it the, the moment, my glue gun moment, my crafting. And when I asked for flower arranging books, so that's all anyone needs to say in my house. So we know we're talking about my failed year off. And, and then my mother, my mom, um, uh, in the same period of time, my mother got sick. So my parent, I lived in California. My, my parents lived in Wisconsin. My mother got diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. She was given four months to live. I was like a week away from having to choose between two big jobs, internal mm -hmm. jobs. And I actually, I was like, my mom's going to die in four months. I'm not going to not be there. And that was before yeah. all this, right? So mm -hmm. there's no possible way I could have taken that job and, and been here, uh, either of those jobs and been here. So I just, I have to, I need, my life is, I need to be able to be where my parents need me. My sister's need me, my family needs me. I better have a job that um, I'm in charge of. <laughs> so mm -hmm. 
I started my own agency. I had started an agency for another company, but I started my agency, uh, became an entrepreneur out of a need to, mm-hmm. of my, my life choices, not because I was like, I want to be my own boss. It was a need right. to be my own boss so I could actually do the other things that I chose were important for me. And I was very mm-hmm. fortunate that I had a husband who, respect, you know, said, sure, make it happen, whatever. Whatever. Uh, I mean, whatever. Right. Put, but put um, the but gun down. <laughs> I did it. Right. I didn't have a yearning to be, to have payroll for the rest of my life. That no. was not my yearning. <laughs> I get you. So, I hear um, you. Right. Um, so that's the reason. So when you ask me, what have I learned? I've learned that I could do it. Here we are 20 years later. I didn't even have that thought in my head. My mom ended up living almost four years, not four months, oh, which was a good. tremendous gift. But once you're in charge of your own destiny, you get to make your own rules. It's really hard. I mean, probably unemployable. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> because I learned that I, you know, there is power in choosing your own bottom lines. Uh And that when you put your parameters, being an entrepreneur allows you to do that. Mm -hmm. No one else, you know, yes, there are consequences for your choices and everything has a consequence. So, but um, I chose to set up the companies so that I could um, be happy every day. Mm -hmm. And I was so unhappy in my previous agency and it basically was like, I don't, and I advise this for everybody. Don't define yourself by what you don't want. Define yourself by what you do want, mm-hmm. but it can be informed by what you don't want, right? Yes. So yeah. we set up a company. Uh, I have a, I had a partner at the beginning. He's since left, started a donut company. That's another podcast. And um, <laughs> Sounds like things are going in circles. <laughs> right? See how that works? And, um, but we defined the company like where, we're only going to work with great people doing good things. So mm-hmm. no assholes. I hope I can say that. Mm-hmm. Podcast. So it meant that we turned down a lot of money. We turned down so much money because yeah. they didn't qualify for the no asshole rule. We also didn't want to work on weekends anymore. We had done you know, 20 years working on weekends. So we decided we weren't going to do crisis work because crisis doesn't happen Monday at 10. Crisis happens on Friday around four o'clock. Right. Uh, now we're, you know, we started our company before Twitter. We work in the food business. There's crisis every day. Oh, so yeah. we do a lot more food business today than we did, you know, before Twitter. However, that was an intention and we were not going to take work that was just crisis. You had to be a current client for us to do. We're good. I mean, we're really good at crisis. But you had mm-hmm. to be a current client because we're not going to like come up. We're not going to be that agency that charges a five to a thousand dollars an hour on something they really can't control. Um, three, um, I want to be interested every day. I want to be interested. That's mm. it. I mean, we do so much work. I think you do so much more better work when you're interested in what is around you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so being interested and then money, money matters, right? Money matters, <laughs> but it doesn't, the only thing that matters. So yes. Um, I mean, I could have taken those jobs, making a lot more money, but I would have given up flexibility to be my family. It would have given up the flexibility to say no mm-hmm. and be able to work with people I want to work with. And I would right. have given up the flexibility to um, say no to the kinds of work we want to do. So in the end, those four bottom lines, time, effort, people, and dollars are our mm-hmm. four bottom lines. Um, and for us, that works. 
right? Because we're good enough that the money coming in from the good people who aren't assholes who do pay us, you know, is yeah. worse. <laughs> yeah. You have to be really good at what you do. This is what I also learned. To have your own rules, you have to be really good at what you do. That's a really you great statement. Really good at what you do and yeah. have confidence in it and not give up on it. Um, because as soon as you start wiggling on one thing, everything wiggles. And all of a sudden you're like everybody else. And like, why bother? <laughs> you're so true. That is so true. And I think about a lot of people that, uh, you know, especially when they're starting their businesses and, you know, you're hungry for clients or you're hungry for business. And so you take things that you normally wouldn't, or, you know, there's a nagging thought and, you know, and I've been there, done that. And then when you move to the point where you're like, I don't need that, you know, and it doesn't make, mean you always make the right choices. Sometimes you still pick those I, people and you're like, uh, I got to figure out a way out of this. But, um, but when you reach that point, then the non-negotiables become, no, they help you sleep at night. Absolutely. Absolutely. So two things to that. One is we did have a client early on that did not match us at, at all. And I said to him, I said, George, I think you're lovely. I love what you're doing in the world. We are not a good match for you. <laughs> um, we're, you know, it's, we're just not that interested in cloud computing. This was way behind before AWS, all the stuff. We're just, it's not our jam. And he said, Leo, I will pay you double because you just told me that. Oh, boy. And I was like, okay, so you know we're not gonna look, we're not gonna wake up thinking about cloud computing. You know that you're okay with that. You're willing to do things that are not typical for a technology firm because I'd already done. I mean, long story. Yeah. Another podcast. Uh, <laughs> um, and he was willing. So because he was willing, and he appreciated our rules, right? Our mm. rules. We did work together. And then we came, I said, okay, we will work with you for 18 months. We won't work with you less time than that because it's going to take 18 months to get this, this achievement done. Yep. And then in 18 months, let's evaluate and see if it's still working for both of us. And if it's not, no harm, no foul. But in the end, I can tell you, we're going to do a great job for you. In 18 yep. months, we will have achieved all these goals. And then we can see if it works because you will have gotten to this point where you can afford different. Yeah. And we will have gotten to this point too, where we could afford different. Yep. And let's see. And so I think it was 20, 20 months, 24 months, we decided to part ways, but it was so, it was so mutually beneficial. It was great. Yep. Um, and I forget the other thing. So I won't <laughs> No, I, I think that's really important because, <laughs> because what your story tells is, is a couple of things. Number one, it tells that you recognized it um, and that it wasn't a right match. Number two, that you, you communicated that and, you know, had an honest conversation about it. And that number three, that, that you made commitments to each other for him to do things differently for you guys to still stay in it for a certain period of time, but to understand here's the end date. Now, if we like each other and want to keep dating after that, that's fine. But if not, we are going to, you know, then we're going to walk away and we're both going to feel good about that. And that's a really powerful statement because sometimes you do need to keep going on with those relationships. You know, sometimes it's it's important to keep them going for the business, um, both businesses or your commitments to them. Yeah. But yeah. but being clear and open and honest is really is is really important to yeah. have a successful outcome. 
think the other piece, I remember what it was, was when you can be clear about those things too, is with my people, right? So I'd come from mm-hmm. a big, big two. The last two chapters before my start in my company were big multinational companies. We had very little flexibility with how you treated your people in terms of compensation or benefits or, you know, all those kinds of things. Or you could only give raises at a certain time of the year and they only get promotions if someone else met, left that space and all that kind of stuff. And it's artificial, right? It's an artificial cap on someone's career. My belief um, is that we should keep people with us as long as we possibly can. If we found the right person and we can mm-hmm. move the chair, that chairs around a lot so that they can do new things. And while the longer we keep someone in the, in the company, the better it is. Amen. And number one, number two is that it, take anything artificial out of the equation, artificial times, artificial, you know, money, you know, salaries matter and they should be equitable and equal and all that kind of stuff. I can guarantee that because I am in charge of them, but mm-hmm. we have no, you know, so the one, the big radical thing I did for my team when we started was every, you, you get promoted when you're ready. You don't get promoted before you're ready, but it doesn't matter to us when you're ready, mm-hmm. when you're ready, you get promoted. And just that, just when I talk to people coming into our agencies who've been in other agencies, you're like, well, what's your promotion cycle when mm-hmm. you're ready? And they just, it takes them a while. What do you mean? Like, when I'm ready? Like, what if I'm ready on a Tuesday? Like, you get promoted on a Tuesday. Well, what if I'm ready six months after? What if I'm ready three months after my last promotion? Then you get promoted. And it like blows their mind, right? So taking any artificial, because it's the people around you that matter too, right? You can't do anything yeah. by yourself. So this, the rules they put on who we work with apply to the, how we treat our people is that we're open and honest about it. We won't promote you until you're ready, but when you're ready, boom, we surprise you. Right. Um, and that was transformational as well for my health, basically. Because yeah. I would spend so much time going, oh, I can't, how am I going to get that extra 2% for Joe? And right. I mean, what would the jam? It was so much energy is spent in corporate America. So much energy is spent in corporate America, like trying to game the system so that you can yeah. do what you need for your team. Oh my gosh, if we could just like, get rid of that. Yeah. We can have so much, we'd be so much more profitable, period. Yeah. And it comes, and it comes right back to that I learned as well, right? That you yeah, and can, it comes right back to what you said that then you have an engaged team who wants to stay with you for a long yeah. time. And, and when they don't, it's not about us, it's about them, right. which is fine. I can't, my team is small. It's, we're 20 something people. The biggest we've ever been is 32. Um, we're never going to be able to keep everybody in the house. That's fine. But if we can keep them longer mm-hmm. by helping them achieve their goals in the parameters of our company. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love it. Well, Lee, we're getting near the end. I wanted to know though, uh, you know, if you could go back in time and tell the uh, younger Lee anything that uh, would have shocked her potential farther or faster or kept her on the exact same path. Yeah. When, when would you go back and what would you tell her? I would go back to when I was leaving Sega, the job before the job I left to start mm-hmm. my own company. When I went to another company to start a company for them and I would have said, you should just do it yourself. Ah. Just do it yourself because um, the pain and anxiety and just the stress of being the big wig in a huge multinational, I'm not set up for it. Mm. You know, I was getting in trouble all the time, but I was, my (laughs) business was doing so well that they couldn't get rid of me. Um, I would, and I was far enough away because headquarters was on the East coast. I was on the West coast, you know, those crazy San Franciscans. What the hell? Their business is growing. Don't worry about it. Right. (laughs) 
um, I would have done it earlier. Yeah, good for you. But it was never my intention. So I did it out of a need. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of doubt about it. I mean, I think at that time, I would never thought I could do it myself. Uh, And I would have said, you know what? You know enough now. You know enough now. Yeah. And I like I like the reflection back, not not because we necessarily, you know, really feel bad that we didn't do things differently. But I think it's always people's answers to me always just show what we've embraced and what you know that what you're saying is I am good enough. I was good enough. And that gives me more power. I wish I would have known then, but I didn't. But I know now. And that's a real statement of positivity. Love it. Just, you know, basically, I don't know how people get out of I'm a positive person. Um, uh, and it is, it, the world's hard enough without being positive. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Right? No kidding. Haven't Just we that that last gets me out of trouble. It does. You are right. It does get me into trouble, but it also gets me out of trouble a lot. I love it. Looking well, for that <laughs> We're going to have all of your contact information on our show notes, but just in case somebody's listening right now and they're like, I need to find this woman right away. What's the best way for them to reach you? The best way to reach me is the, my company website, www.double-forte.com or LeeCareher.com. On Twitter, Lee Carraher, everything's Lee Carraher, L-E-E-C-A-R-A-H-E-R. I'm incredibly easy to find. And if you, I'm very happy to answer any questions on email, just shoot it to me and I will give you my best answer back. Excellent. Well, before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Well, I love the name of your um, podcast because I think that's the piece, right? And I would just say to everybody, you can make a difference. You can do something bigger than you think. Think bigger. Even if you don't make that big jump, you'll make a jump that's a little less from it and you will get farther along than if you just made the safe jump. So you can do it and um, you have a great story and great inspiration to share and just start sharing your gift with the world and things will change for you. I love it. I love it. Absolutely. Lee, thank you so much for sharing your story, a little bit about your company, but also for reminding us about all the ways we still can have that positive impact. You have been a great guest. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.